You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Let's have a word of prayer. Oh, Lord, uh, that you would uh, speak to us um, in spite of uh, the person speaking and that we might learn something of you and that we might actually take this time that you've given us to reflect on that which you're doing in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, uh, things that I've learned uh, during COVID-19 about the Advent, this is going to be a quick two-parter. Um, this week, I'm going to reflect and would invite you to reflect with me on uh, just ministry in general and, and kind of what's happening here at the Advent. Um, I think this will be somewhat of an important class, especially for people who are interested in wanting to know what does ministry look like moving forward. And then next week, I'm going to get, uh, I'll be personal this week, but I'm going to get real personal next week about things that I've learned uh, during COVID. And I just want to say from the outset that there is no divine origin or basis for this presentation. It's just me speaking, uh, and uh, and so if if you if I say something that you don't like, uh, you're allowed to be offended, and uh, and to say I just simply do not agree with that. Um, so I, I don't claim any authority for what I'm about to say. They're simply in my my reflections. But I will say that First uh, Timothy chapter four has guided me in this, and uh, let me just read that to you because it'll give you a little bit of an idea of what what I've been thinking. Beginning, uh, this is verse, um, do you remember that moment when you realized you needed reading glasses? Yeah, it's, it's, it's terrible. Okay, uh, beginning with verse 6. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, Godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have, we have our hopes set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially to those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth. But set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity, until I come devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this. For by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. This is the word of the Lord. Okay. Well, uh, the, the things that I've been looking at in First Timothy chapter 4 are really uh, the whole bit that I just read, but I've been zoning in on verse uh, 16. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. And this funny little, pat, little phrase in verse 15, so that all may see your progress. Most of us live our lives making sure that no one sees our progress. We'll all acknowledge that we're a work in progress, but actually no one wants to admit, I got a lot of room to grow in this area. And uh, yet Paul here speaking to Timothy, and I think all clergy, the congregation ought to see your progress. And so 
uh, I hope for those of you that have been hearing me preach, uh, whether you've been hearing me preach for the last nine years at the Advent or whether you've just started hearing me preach, uh, after each successive sermon, you elbow your neighbor and say, progress, uh, <laughs> because that's what's actually meant uh, to happen. And I, I think it's so funny, the number of young seminarians that say, well, I wish that I could just preach like, say, Tim Keller. I say, well, you do realize it took Tim Keller 50 years <laughs> uh, to get to that place. And so, brothers, sisters, don't let be afraid for people to see their progress, which is exactly what I think we're dealing with during times of COVID. Um, John Yates, who was for decades the rector of the Falls Church uh, outside of Washington, D.C., in Virginia, recently had an article on the Gospel Coalition, or really a column, where he said that, of all that he'd been through in decades and decades of ministry, now reflecting back on someone who's in their 70s, he feels that this is the hardest time in ministry that he's ever encountered. He said it, it doesn't compare to anything. It's a singular experience. And his concern in his column is for people who find themselves pastoring congregations uh, during this time. There have been plenty of articles written, and I think rightfully so, uh, that warn of the of the coming pastoral crash of so many people who are in full-time ministry. Uh, it's just a really, really hard time to be ministering. And I think that all of us, our sensitivity meter, I mean, just look at politics around us. Our sensitivity meter is pretty sensitive right now um, where we find ourselves getting upset or downcast or excited uh, over things that maybe shouldn't have that much of, of a hold upon us. But especially those who are pastoring and feel a particular burden for the gospel, this is a really hard time for them. And uh, I will say, though, and I don't mind bragging on this, is the Advent is a much more adaptable place than other places. So even though I don't think that we've done things perfectly, I think, by and large, we've done things really well. Um, I if I'm learning anything about the Advent, it, it's, um, and I want, again, I want you to receive this in the right way. It's too big. It's too big uh, of a place. And that's not to say that um, everybody ought to, um, uh, that, you know, the sort of Richard Baxter model of, you know, you have a finite number of people and, and you kind of have an overly invasive pastor, which some of you would welcome and some of you would sort of treat me like a Jehovah's Witness at the door and kind of hide and everyone crouching down in the kitchen. Um, but uh, very early on, we realized that before COVID, we were not effective in pastoring our flock. And so some of you are a part of or were made aware, are now aware of it, of, of us trying to do more of a shepherding ministry whereby other people in our congregation are actually the first point of contact uh, when it comes to matters pastoral. And pastoring not just to figure out like, hey, are you struggling? What are you dealing with in your life? But actually sharing in a ministry of God's word, praying with you, encouraging you on, uh, because on staff we have such a limited capacity to do that that we've just not been able to do that in a way that we normally would, especially... I am at my most pastoral, and this is kind of a misnomer. When we think pastoral care, we typically think of someone to visit us in the hospital. But I'm actually at my most pastoral when I'm with you on Sundays. Because it's the one time where we have the flock gathered together 
We've not really been able to do that to an extent in the parking lot and to an extent here now, uh, but um, where our average Sunday attendance was over a little over a thousand uh, before COVID, um, we can only max out at 300 between two services here in the nave. And the reason why we only have two services is we need that time in between to clean the surfaces. And most of us here um, think that the Advent has this magical Midas touch that we can basically do anything and everything we set our minds to. I'm learning that that's not the case. And so when people say, well, why don't we just add more services? Um, I immediately want to crawl back in my hole uh, and, and, and go to sleep uh, simply because we're trying to be good stewards of the staff that we have. Um, I am, but at the same time, I, I realize this is a calling on my life. So for the, um, the funny enough, I don't even know how many Christmas Eve services we're doing, but it's a lot starting Monday night into Thursday. And I'm going to preach all of them. I'm going to preach every single one of them. Typically when I preach, I feel like my sermons get better as I preach the same one over again. Um, but if I have to preach it eight times, I'm afraid Christmas Eve, I'm just going to be like, blah, blah, blah. Jesus said, you know what happened. Christmas manger, angels singing. Amen. Let's go home. Um, so pray for my, um, pray that I'm able to have uh, perseverance because Lord knows uh, that that I need it. And so what I really am saying is, how is it that the Advent is meant to care for one another as a congregation? Personally, um, I um, have found that I have nothing but time. So funny enough, even though I'm overwhelmed by the number of people that we have, I've realized that my time was being ill spent before COVID. Uh, Paul Walker, who used to be on staff here, once told me, Andrew, if you don't think that the world can turn without you, take a nap and see what happens. It actually continues to turn. And y'all are so kind and generous to us who are on staff. Uh, but actually what I've realized uh, during COVID is that my time is better spent when I'm gratuitous in my time. So for instance, um, uh, a parishioner uh, was uh, was not happy about something, and uh, and I picked up the phone and made the phone call, which I often do. Uh, but in this instance, I, I spent an hour and 20 minutes on the phone. And actually, the thing that they were complaining about, when I realized that wasn't what they were complaining about, and it was an hour and 20 minutes. And I know all y'all say this. I know you're busy, but that's exactly where I was supposed to be and what I was supposed to be doing. And so two-hour lunches, sans martinis, uh, are back uh, in, in ministry. And I found that to be so great and so lovely and so wonderful uh, because God has given us time. And one of the things that, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit more next week, that I won't, don't want to have happen because I know all of you all have enjoyed this. It hadn't it been kind of nice being with your family and not having the pressure of you've got to be here, you've got to do this. And, and for those of you, I mean, meals you're having with your kids or with one another and you're actually able to sit. Now, I am going to try my hardest to make sure that we don't go back to the rat race that was our church family before. Um, so one of the things that we're doing is trying to build more time between services so that we can actually visit. For those, some of y'all who were here before COVID, I mean, if you saw me in Clingman Commons, um, you either saw me flying through or cutting in line in front of you to get a cup of coffee. 
And our, my girls, I, they heard it from somewhere. I don't think this is original to them. But um, from the back seat now, when, uh, when I'm in the car, I'm an awful, terrible human being. Not just a bad Christian, just a bad human being. And I have an expectation that everyone is going to be the kind of driver that I am, which is amazing. And, uh, and as we're driving, uh, especially during school carpool, I'll say things like, get off your phone, idiot. Move up. You don't have to signal. We all know you're pulling in the parking lot. There's a road barrier there. And I finally had said one of these things, and from the back seat came a little voice that said, another kind word from your pastor. (laughs) And that has been a wonderful sanctifying thing. And so your experiences with me don't need to be just didactic. They don't need to be me breezing through Klingman. It doesn't need to be me... Uh, going and getting a cup of coffee because this is the only time that I really get to see most of you and this is the only time you get to see me. And so how awful is it when you come up to me and say, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? And I say, I'm sorry, I've got something else to do. So we're building more time in between the services where we can actually stop and and visit because there's nothing worse. You know, I, it, it, you know we're a really big church, but there are even bigger churches. And... Uh, those people who, who talk about like, oh, well, so-and-so is my pastor, but they have actually never had any personal interaction, even if it's just a one-off or a lunch. And so if, if you're interested in, in hanging out for a little bit, um, all I have uh, is, is time, and I really would love to hear what, what God's doing in your life. And I think that this is a difficult time, too, because I made a huge pastoral mistake, which you're going to see uh, in the upcoming Adventure Award. But I thought that as things began to open up a little bit, you know, restaurants started to open up, schools went back, I thought that those would be release valves for all of the angst and difficulty that we had experienced from COVID. And it turns out that wasn't true, that what those things did was it gave platforms for all of our angst and wound upness and anxieties to come pouring out and fears to come pouring out in those venues. And I realized that because I started getting complaints from some adventors that I thought, that doesn't sound right. That's sort of a strange complaint. I've never, I've never heard that before. And, and then when I end up engaging them in conversation again, it turns out that's not actually what they're dealing with. They're dealing with something else, and this is just the manifestation of it. And so as we speak to one another, I think it's important that we understand that those things that someone might articulate um, that they're upset about, that actually it's coming from a much deeper place. And what that requires us to do is to really listen and to care for one another and to actually try to draw that out uh, a bit and not simply take things on uh, on surface as they as they appear on on the surface so and I don't think that things are going to get much better um, I think everybody is seeing the numbers uh, go up 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 and uh, and so who knows what's going to happen next whether or not we experience experiencing uh, another sort of lockdown um, but I did get a chance to speak with a guy named Andrew Pollard who is uh, a vaccine expert he's at Oxford University uh, he has the contract with AstraZeneca, and he was one of the few people to actually shoot it to me straight about what we ought to be expecting 
uh, in, in the coming future. And uh, he expects that uh, social distancing and mask wearing is going to last at least until June 2021. And he said until two things happen, the death rate goes down and a vaccine is widely available. And by the way, did you know this? That the problem with the vaccine is not the technology. The problem is they don't have enough of those little glass vials to hold it. That's actually going to be a bigger impediment to getting the vaccine out than the, than the science. So um, if, those, if the death rate goes down and if uh, the vaccine is widely available, then we'll start to see a greater return uh, to, to normalcy. And I don't know, what do you all think when, when I say June 2021? It, that sounds terrible. <laughs> it's the worst news ever. Um, yeah, but, it, but again, that's sort of best case scenario. And so, you know, here at the Advent, we have to get more creative in how we do ministry. It has afforded us the opportunity, piggybacking on what I've just said, to be more invasive in your lives personally. Uh, because so many people, you're thinking about these things. And, all, you know, people who were, who were just uh, a little bit anxious before COVID are a whole lot anxious now. And those of us, including y'all, who are somewhat normal, you're not that normal anymore. Um, you yourselves are dealing with all the issues that you have. And so I, I've found that I'm really going for it when, when I ask about pastoral matters and not just satisfied with, yeah, things are fine, things are great, because I know they're not. I mean, it may be actually the statistic is that people's marriages have gotten stronger that surprised me. I thought that they would have gotten, I think it's ebb and flow. I mean, until death do you part becomes very real uh, in our household every once in a while because we're all just kind of piled in on top of one another. But, uh, but by and large, marriages say that they've been strengthened. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that you now have a shared life together again and that you're doing things together and that you're spending time together. And I think that it's not just the clergy, but individual Adventists who ought to be asking uh, those hard questions, not just about how COVID is manifesting itself uh, in your lives, but also where is God, where is Jesus in all of this for you? I think some of us are terribly discouraged. And our prayer has been, Lord, I believe, help me in my unbelief. Lord, I know that you're on your throne, but it'd be great if you could do something uh, and to also guard against, you know, not wanting COVID to pass simply so that we can get on a plane and travel wherever we want to travel, uh, but to actually see COVID pass for our good and for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, but to also see this time as a singular time that God has given us to proclaim the gospel to people who really need to hear it, uh, to actually engage in gospel conversations uh, with one another. Um, you know, there's, you know, obviously we're also going to talk about whether it was a cop out or not that LSU wasn't going to play Alabama this weekend and that's their fault for only having 65 scholarship people on their roster. Um, I only know these things because I work with Cameron Cole, uh, who tells, who, like, this is what he really loses sleep over at night. Um, uh, we're all going to talk about those things, but, but to actually be willing to go there with one another. And I think that most of us are probably at a place where we are willing to go there, but we're a little bit afraid of what people will say in response. You know, if we were to say, my marriage is on the rocks. If we were to say, I think my business is going to go under. Um, if we were to say that I'm entertaining all these terrible thoughts about whatever it is, um, 
COVID has made me realize I'm not the parent that God wants me to be. And I feel like I'm taking out all my anger on my children or my spouse or, or whoever it is. Uh, that those are conversations that, that God has given us the opportunity to have right now. And I hope that the Advent's the kind of place where you're able to have them uh, with one another and to actually expect dear brothers and sisters to come alongside you and to say, I'm not just going to listen to you, but I'm actually going to help you. And I know I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. America, and especially the South, even though we're known for our hospitality, we only give hospitality with permission. So if somebody's ill or someone's struggling, we're very quick to say, can I do anything for you? But because we're from the South, what's our response? No, no I'm fine. Thanks so much. That is, that's got to go away. Uh, so Lauren, my wife, uh, did some missionary work in, in China. And she said that one of the things that amazed her about the Christian community in China is that if somebody was sick, nobody asked the sick person, how can I help? There was somebody over at the house watching the children that just showed up. Somebody had a meal on the stove. Uh, somebody was mowing the grass. Somebody was cleaning the house. They just did it. Because when we're Christians, we don't have to ask for permission to care for one another. We just do it. And I think it's important to understand that that's really how the church is supposed to work. I mean, I know that we still uh, live in a day and age where some people feel like if the clergy aren't there, then it's not, it doesn't really count. And, and I'm sorry to say that especially during this time, there are not only times where the clergy just aren't able to be there, um, but that actually the clergy aren't the best suited to be the person to be there for you. So I found that the people who pastor me best are in my small group Bible study. Right, they're the ones who are showing up with food when grandma dies. They're the ones who are, uh, are asking uh, the, the tough questions. And I know I upset this person to no end, but they came up to me and they said, my dear friend Mary is in the hospital and uh, names are being changed. My dear friend Mary is in the hospital and, uh, and I think that she would like a visit. And I said, I said, oh, have you visited her yet? She said, no, but I thought you should know. And I said, well, when you go by and see her, tell her I'm praying for her. And the person looked at me and I said, absolutely, somebody's going to go by, but you're her dear friend. <laughs> you're the person who knows her and you can actually, you know what to pray and you know how to minister to her in a way that, that I don't. Um, and so it's, I know it's nice to have a clergy presence there, but actually speaking the gospel to one another as parishioners is, is much more effective um, than, uh, than even the clergy. So pastorally speaking, that's kind of our way of thinking here at the Advent. The next thing that I'll say, and I've already hit on this a little bit before, uh, I think that we need to realize that we're still on a tabernacling period at the Advent, that just because we've moved inside doesn't mean that things are going to be March 22nd, 2020, that we're just going to pick up where we left off. And I know that's really hard because in the midst of all the turmoil that, that we're experiencing, I know... I feel this way, and some of you feel this way as well. The one thing that I would really like to be consistent is my church. <laughs> and so when you come back to church and you notice that things aren't exactly as they were the, where, the way they were before, 
I identify strongly with your sense of loss, that I wish that we could have this. And some of it, most of us would realize, is not essential, like a processional or things like that, but but there's something about it that that you begin uh, to miss. And so I would encourage you to uh, manage a lack of expectations <laughs> uh, and to really think about, okay, what's, I miss that stuff, and uh, Lord knows, uh, one of the things that really upsets me is is that we can only get eight members of our choir uh, s- distanced in in the chancel, and uh, and and that's been a big hole for me uh, in, in my heart. Uh, but I have to kind of step back, and I encourage you to do the same thing, and to think, what really makes the church the church, and what's essential? What what really is it about the Advent that is most important and those convictions that no matter what's going on around us still remain the same? I was encouraged when we were in the parking lot. Uh, and, and by the way, I love the parking lot. I loved it. And I have a soft spot uh, in my heart for parking lot ministries. I baptized somebody in the parking lot of a bar once. Uh, Lauren and I had a friend. We witnessed to her in the bar. Um, I made sure that she stopped drinking because I wanted her to be able to hear what we were saying. And uh, and she just, with tears, she said, you know, I've never been baptized. And so I took a pint glass and I baptized her in the parking lot uh, right then and there. Uh, so God can certainly work in a parking lot, don't I know it. Um, and I thought it was great that uh, amongst the almost 40 adult confirmands that we had, there's some of them who actually have never been inside our building and joined the church. Why? Because they joined the church, right? They joined the church. And there was a guy out in the parking lot who is a little bit of a curmudgeon. And uh, and he came up to me after one of the parking lot gatherings with tears streaming down his face and said, I didn't know how much I missed it. But it was a different service, right? It, it, it wasn't like that, like it normally is inside. But it was the advent, right? It was the advent. And so during this time to really say, you know, is what's in most is what's most important to us about being the church is that manifesting itself in our gatherings and yes i miss that other stuff but i need to cling to what's good right now and understand that that we are in this tabernacling period and we we long for the day when some of those things return uh, but for the time being we we are where we are uh, during this time and again to understand that we are uh, building this plane as we're flying it and just trying to figure it out ourselves. If we ask most of you, and we did this a couple of years back, uh, what is most important about the Advent and why you come? Uh, almost all of you say, well, the proclamation of the gospel. It's, it's gospel ministry. I heard a couple in the steps today said we're, we're going to join the Advent. We, we, we love we love what's going on here. And, uh, and again, never been to church here. This was their first Sunday they'd ever been inside. And um, they said, we just think it's fantastic. And um, uh, and so the proclamation, they said, the reason why is because you're so gospel-centered. Uh, well, we're going to find out if that's true over the next six to eight months, <laughs> whether or not actually we will allow those secondary things to keep us from seeing what's absolutely primary and central uh, in, in our uh, ministry here. 
And so I want us to be sure that uh, we don't allow our preferences, and that goes for me too, to be more important than the principles that we hold uh, central, especially uh, the, the gospel, uh, which we have been given and we have such a unique ministry, uh, and all the while longing uh, for some of those other things to return, and they will. All right, they'll, they'll, they, they will return uh, as sure as Jesus uh, will come back. So in the last couple of minutes, uh, I just want to say, uh, here are some of the principles that I think about uh, as we make decisions as we go along. And I really do hope that you're praying for the staff here at the Advent. It has been a really uh, difficult and hard time. And, um, you know, everything from just not being able to see you to, um, you know, these young couples getting married and, um, and yet if they've got uh, a good head on their shoulders, how beautiful a wedding and a garden can be, uh, and how right it can be, uh, uh, all the way down to, you know, those who have lost loved ones and keep waiting for the moment where they can have the big funeral, uh, but realize that pastorally they just, they need to go ahead and have a small service graveside. It's, it's, and not to mention what we do on Sundays and what we do on the weeks between everybody has, has done a really, Remarkable job, but please do pray for us because uh, we feel it acutely. But here are some principles that I go by uh, when we make any decision around here during COVID. Uh, one, the proclamation of the gospel is central. Right? Our primary aim is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, full stop. Uh, if it doesn't do that, it's out. Uh, two, we need to properly identify what is essential and what is not. Uh, really to be able to have a, not to mistake preference for virtue. Uh, and uh, again, around here at the Advent, we're, we're really used to having our cake and eating it too. Um, we've got, God has blessed us with remarkable resources and whatever we set our minds to, basically we can, we can pull off. And in some ways that's been a huge blessing like with the, with the streaming service that we have on Sunday mornings, how well produced that is. Um, when we first started, uh, some of you may remember, we started live streaming the services back in January, and there's a camera in the back of the nave, and it kind of looked like we borrowed it from a 7-Eleven. And so it was just sort of, um, it was sort of there. But, um, but really to be able to identify what's essential and what's, what's not. How can we clearly communicate the gospel? Again, uh, we'll make decisions as we move along. We're building the plane while we're flying it. And I welcome constructive criticism. Uh, because if something doesn't work one week, we're probably going to change it the next. Uh, we have to be more adaptable in, in responding uh, to people's needs. And I think I want to say, too, just a shout out to the people who are welcoming and ushering on Sunday mornings. Uh, it's, a, it's kind of a tense situation around here with everything. But I hope you've noticed just how they're a non-anxious presence. And, and they're very happy to sort of help you figure out we're all in this boat together and we're so glad that you're here and you may be coming through the wrong door, but that's okay. And uh, we're going to help you figure out how to offload your child or maybe keep your child, all of those kinds of things. And, uh, and really, uh, there's a lot of room for all of us to make mistakes because we're all going to make mistakes and that's okay. And so uh, we're building the plane as we fly it. Uh, another principle, uh, nothing is set in stone. I realize what I love about the Advent is that uh, the Advent actually has a very short memory span, with few exceptions. I know that there's at least one of you in this room who has uh, a longer memory and can remember back uh, to, to things. Uh, but two examples I'll give of this is 
um, at 11.15, we're going to sing How Great Thou Art. And somebody came up to me and said, I don't know why we sing hymns like that. And inevitably, they're always called Baptist hymns, written by Anglican clergymen. Uh, and I don't know why we sing uh, hymns like that. And we've never done it before. We only sang hymns that were in the hymnal. And, uh, and I went to talk to an older parishioner, and they brought out an old 1942 hymnal and from the Advent, and in the front cover was pasted, How Great Thou Art. And they said, we sang it all the time with John Turner. It was one of his favorite hymns. But this person just actually didn't have the sense of history. What they knew is what they knew, right? Their experience of what's traditional or historical is is only limited to their time. And there have been any number of things around here that I've run into where people say, well, that's a long-standing tradition. And someone says, no, it's not. John Harper did that or, or something like that, that it actually doesn't go back uh, as, as far uh, as, as it ought to be. And so one of the things that I've, I've noticed about the Advent is even though it's a very traditional place, which I'm very grateful for, um, actually it's been willing to make changes necessary in order for the gospel to be heard. Um, we may not like it, but we're willing to do it. When we put all of our bulletin, everything into uh, one pamphlet, uh, we did that because we were getting so many newcomers and to watch them try to fumble three books at a time was painful. We were hazing them basically. And, uh, and so we said, you know, we're going to, we're going to put everything in one booklet. And one parishioner who's actually, uh, on the younger side, uh, came up to me and said, Hey, this move to put everything into the booklet is brilliant. I hate it. Uh, and I actually really appreciated that because it meant like, I don't necessarily like that we're not doing things the way that we used to do them but I realize why it is that we're doing things the way uh, that, uh, that we are. And so uh, nothing is necessarily set in stone except for that which is set in stone, and that's the proclamation of the gospel and the glorification of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then finally, we need to think pastorally about how decisions are implemented. And so if something isn't set in stone, you know, just throwing it in the wood chipper is probably not the most pastoral thing. Uh, and so we really have to overly communicate, which we've never been good at here at the Advent. And basically, we need to say things so many times that all of y'all start to roll your eyes. We've got it. We, we know. Um, and for us to really think uh, about others, is this actually going to cause people to not be able to hear the gospel? Um, is this uh, a step too far? Uh, is this, even though we think it's not a big deal, are there others who actually do think it's a big deal and, and we need to reach out uh, and ask them? And we'll only know if we, if we talk to other people. Uh, and I've run into that any number of times where we sort of operate under assumptions around here that turn out to not be true. Uh, they're just not true. Uh, and uh, But we do need to think pastorally about how decisions are implemented around here and how we communicate that. So that's just my free rambling sort of talk on how I think things have changed uh, during COVID at the Advent. And, um, and uh, it's just scratching uh, the surface. But I want to open it up uh, for any of you. Uh, we've got up to 10 minutes to, to talk about, uh, ask, you can ask anything. 
Uh, and uh, I hope I have an answer for you. And if I don't, I'll try real hard to get one about ministry during COVID. Yeah, Patrick. I would like to just uh, thank you um, for the wonderfully well done online service and how much that's meant to me um, since the time that we've been out of church. Yeah. And how, um, you know, I didn't even realize the, the, the wonders of Zach and Amy Lee and mm. these things being pumped through my house and my home theater system. Yeah. And I've been here 38 years to be away from everyone, but to hear you and the liturgy and my tradition yeah. um, remotely was so powerful and meant so very much to me. Yeah. I want to thank you for Oh, well, God bless you. It's been a labor of love and love. And I would especially say thank you to Chris Maxwell and Will Sledge, who are communication guys. They've really uh, done a great job. Um, I will say something about the live stream. It's, um, it's not real church, and we can get into why that is, but it's better than nothing, right? Yeah. And one of the things that I realized is we need to be very careful. If the live stream experience is better than the in-person experience, I'd never go to church again. And I mean, I'm already hearing people say this, you know, Andrew, Advent, cup of coffee, pajamas. Yes. Uh, Actually, people have come up to me like, I don't know if I'll ever go back again. It's so great. And so one of the things that I am, if someone comes back to me and says, well, you could up your game a little bit on the live stream, it's probably the case that we're doing that intentionally. Uh, because we do want the in-person experience to actually be better uh, than than the live stream. Now, it'll still minister to people, and it's certainly a whole lot better than it was when we bit, did it back in January. Um, but we still want people to feel connected, even at a distance. And that has been the craziest thing, that we, um, we get over a 1,000 devices watching our streaming service on Sunday. And so... During quarantine, that actually it was really high during quarantine, higher than that. But but if you're a family of three, you know one represents three people, and we uh, have regular viewership on every continent except South America and Antarctica. And so I've asked our communications people, why can't we break into the South American market? What, what's what's the impediment there? But it's really strange. And some of these people we know, like I can look and see the dot in Rwanda and say, I know who that is. Um, uh, but um, uh, it's really remarkable, the, the ministry that we've had uh, as a result of, of the live streaming. And we'd already committed to doing it uh, back in January. So that's something that's going to continue on. You won't have seen it this morning because you're with us, but uh, we're still going to continue to do text overlay thanks to uh, Margaret Pope, who actually has to manually do that uh, during uh, during the service. How did it go, Margaret, in the in the first? You didn't make any mistakes. Okay. Okay. Yes. That's true. That's it. For those of you that don't know, uh, Margaret is the granddaughter of uh, Margaret and John Harper, uh, and, uh, and who are uh, served on staff here for years. Anybody else want to comment or, or ask a question about various and sundry things? Not being here, Yeah, I will do. You know, that, that's been another thing is uh, 
in many ways, the Sexton staff has been able to do a lot of little projects that needed doing around here um, that I realized weren't happening, not because they weren't doing their job, but Sunday mornings pre-COVID around here was, I'll just use the term, out of control. They turned this room over three different times on a Sunday. And that's in addition to anything else. And heaven help us if there's some sort of emergency, you know, if a, if something happens. Uh, and so that is one of the things, being a good steward of, of our people, that when we get back, we have to find a different way of doing things that, that has our staff dreading Sundays um, rather than looking forward to it and actually giving them the ability to, to do what needs doing and even to interact with us on Sundays, especially the Sextons. But I'll do that. Thank you so much, Shannon. Okay, y'all are always welcome to call me or email me. I will say this. Um, uh, I don't get a lot of them. Um, but every once in a while, I'll get an anonymous letter. And uh, and you can spread the word on this. Uh, what happens when I get an anonymous letter uh, is, and I, if there's no return address, uh, the first thing that happens is the envelope is opened. And then we shake the letter, and if no check falls out, uh, we look at the signature, and if there's no signature, we shred it before it's read. Um, we don't do anonymous letters here because there's no way to really respond to them, is there? So if someone says, this is my concern, I, I have no way of actually ministering uh, to them. So um, um, if, you, if you have a real bad complaint, don't send me an anonymous letter because I'll never re read it. Actually, call me, and I, I, you may be surprised to know that I may agree with you uh, over whatever it is that you're complaining about. Okay. Yes, Mary Kay. I'm just so, I'm so happy to be Amen. And I cannot wait to get on my knees and pray. Amen. Are you going to be at 1115? And thank you. I'll, I'll be there. Yeah, it's, and we're not out of the woods yet. I think that so many of us, when COVID first happened, we were all very happy and we're kind of in it together and we're committed. And then after two or three months, we were like, we're in it for two or three months and we were really committed for two or three months, but this is beyond the pale and there's no way that I can sustain this uh, moving forward. But I think that, that, that this is something that's probably going to go on uh, for uh, a little bit longer. And, um, and we're just, we're just, we're in the wilderness. And we need to realize that. So when um, I'm just so glad to hear you say that, Mary Kay, because when you're in the wilderness, it's really hard to not go back to the meat pots, you know, to say, hey, remember when? Remember when we had that? And uh, I said something about something that I really missed the other day uh, uh, to a friend. And they said, well, Andrew, it sounds to me like you need 39 years and four more months of COVID. I said, what? And they said, yeah, you need 40 years to get it out of your system so that you can go into the promised land. Um, but I will say this, is that I'm really blessed and glad to be with God in the wilderness than to be back in Egypt without him. Well, let's pray. Oh, Lord, what a special gift our church family is. And Lord, we confess that we take it for granted uh, living in a place like Birmingham where everybody seems to be a Christian, these gatherings can sometimes be like any other gathering. Uh, but Lord, what we have here is not only special, it's heavenly. We're the earthly manifestation of the heavenly gathering. 
And you've given us one another, but above all, you've given us yourself and your spirit. And so, Lord, help us to love one another and to navigate these difficult waters with a spirit of humility and love and forbearance. And, Lord, that you would give us endurance, for we need it, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.